This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Expanding, Expanding reality. reality. Somehow you've done it. It's even more majestic than the first time. I don't know how the hell you do it. Lauren Smith, welcome <laughs> to the show. It is so, so damn nice to connect with you. We have a mutual friend that we both adore in Taylor Alina. And so shout out Taylor. She's going to be linked below. And that's what you get for connecting us with super dope people. So Lauren, it is so nice to meet you. If you don't mind for my audience, not uber familiar with you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Brandon. And also a big heartfelt thanks to Taylor. She is freaking gorgeous. And I love her as well. I am an author, a speaker, and the host of the Dayton Peace podcast. I've gotten my heart broken so many times that I decided to set out on a mission to help other people use mindfulness so that they can have less suffering in their own love lives. So with mindfulness, where was your approach? What is your approach with anyone new? They come to you, they're like, ah, oh, my dating life is shit. I see all these people get married. My sister's, you know, on her like fifth wedding and like, I just can't find me a good man, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So what's like your, what are your, what are your first things starting out there? Sure. Well, the only people that really come to me for this kind of advice are like my friends. Cause I'm, I'm not a coach or anything. I just want to clarify that. I'm just a human that likes to write books and shit for people. But what I would tell them is that at least for me, a big part of the journey for incorporating mindfulness into dating at all was just being able to sit with all of me. And this is like shadow work. This is self-love. Acceptance, of course, is a big part of mindfulness. So I would say that for anybody starting out, just sit with yourself, whatever that looks like. I know we don't all love meditation. Maybe you find that going for long walks is the sweet spot, or even just washing the dishes and start to get in touch with when you're in that sort of like Zen flow state, what emotions or thoughts are coming up that you normally would do anything to push away and just let them be with you. And that is a an ongoing practice. <laughs> yes, it is. It's that whole shadow integrate, shadow integrate, and then new things. And then, oh, we got to integrate those now. And it's, um, it's an interesting journey. That's definitely a journey. And, and that's, that's where we find it is just this perpetual uh, experience is, you know, verb life is really a verb. So with, with your approach to dating, it sounds like that you have had some experience with this. So what did you find in when you first started dating, uh, that's different than where you are now with dating? Oh my gosh. I was a complete mess back in the day. And by the way, back in the day is like four years ago Fair enough. because I, I hadn't sifted through any of my trauma. So I was just showing up with my anxious attachment style all over over the place. I was most definitely the toxic one. <laughs> the karma, and, just everywhere. And you, get oh, and you get some karma. Yeah. Yeah. And it was never my fault, right? I was always blaming it on the other person. So finally, um, I was able to meet this man that of course I found all the faults with this guy and the relationship had the typical trajectory for me. Things just went from like perfect in the honeymoon phase and then it slowly started to deteriorate, got toxic. And then I have next thing I know, he's dumping me at Disney World. And I'm like, oh shit, like here we go again. I do everything that I possibly can to people please and sacrifice and do what I think that they're gonna need. And they somehow still abandoned me. This is the story that I would play in my head, right? Yeah. And as I was in that hotel after that Disney World dumping, was when I finally had a very crucial break between fantasy and reality, where I was able to be like, shit, I'm the problem. Like this is before Taylor Swift, guys. I said it first. I realized it's me. There's something that I'm doing. And if I can just figure out what it is, fine. Doesn't mean that I'm bad or wrong. I don't have to shame myself. I just have to get the information. Once I know what I'm doing, then I can just stop doing it. And that's when I started to be like, I don't care how uncomfortable it is to sit with these shadows. I absolutely 
need to let them be with me or else I'm just going to keep living the same Disney World nightmare over and over again. Damn. And after showing him your magic kingdom and everything, mm-hmm. Disneyland dumping and this deceptions is, is an interesting tie in. We're going to go freaky woo woo here for a second. Have you seen the uh, Mandela effect with Tinkerbell? Do you know what Mandela effects are? First of all, I do. And I think I know, I think I have found one of my own and I want to like drop this in your, in your face. Right do now. you remember the SpongeBob episode where he's like lifting weights and his arm goes in like a U shape? SpongeBob I'm talking about, not Bugs Bunny. I am not as familiar with SpongeBob. That was sort of I'm I'm in a later generation. I'm the one that can quote you the shit from earlier. But please give me the SpongeBob knowledge, please. <laughs> well, I, in my head, this exists. I clearly remember watching this episode. I Google it. I can't find memes anywhere. And now I'm doubting my sanity. And I'm like, is it me? Am I really just remembering this wrong? Or is this the Mandela effect? Uh, Mandela. I'm going to say Mandela. Uh, a friend of mine, Bo, shout out Bo. Uh, he sent me one, the song that never ends. Remember pork chop? See, maybe this is in my bracket. My, okay. So, lamb, lamb, chop. lamb chop. What did I say? <laughs> pork <laughs> chop. God damn. Uh, lamb chop. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the chops, they had that song and, uh, it was song that doesn't end or song that never ends. What do you remember? Never. I had to say it in my head. Yeah, we're going to get this stuck in everyone's head. And I apologize for that in advance, guys. This is not like a, a, a roasting or anything. This isn't a prank. Uh, but yes, I remember never as well. Now it's doesn't. This is a song that doesn't end. And he sent it to me. I was like, yeah, sounds fun. I breezed right over it. He goes, isn't that a Mandela effect? And I listened to it again. And I was like, motherfucker. Yeah, it is. Isn't that wild? That is weird. Yeah, fucking Mandela. So I believe you. I believe that you believe that that's what occurred, by the way. So if nothing else, and take that for what it's worth, I believe that you believe it, okay? And for yeah. the way George Costanza said it first back in the 90s, early 90s on Seinfeld, it's not you, it's me, right? Because he was arguing with the woman, you can't give me the it's not you, it's me, it's me. It's always me. Just like, fine. There it's, you go. Like, you're damn right. Anyway, but I love that it's being kept alive in your generation. How old are you, by the way? I'm 37. Yeah. Okay. So you're only, we're like the same age, basically. I just, I mean, you know, we're really close here actually. So, okay. Disney deception. Another one would be the firmament, the uh, firmament trace, you know, the um, overarching of the castle that they do with the wand or the little star or something. It's what all the rockets do. So some people say that that is like the deception right out in your face. And so flat earth, what do you think? What are my feelings on flat earth? Yeah. Um, I believe that the earth is a globe okay. and I use the theory of flat earthers to describe people that are very strong in their beliefs. Because to me, if you have a belief about, um, like if you're a flat earther, you can have all the science in the world and you're, you're still going to keep believing in your beliefs. So that's a, that's a fair yeah. point. All right, we're going to come back to that. But back to Disney. It's interesting that you got the Disney dumping that you said because there is a like a lot of deception there. So did that ruin Disney for you or was Disney already sort of on your shit list with the making you cry all the time? Uh <laughs> Well, so basically, I think I have to give you a little bit of the backstory to answer this question. Sure. So the guy, I met him in Argentina when I was traveling and I was only there for a week. So the if there was ever a honeymoon phase that was faster and more intense, I would like to meet that person. We basically spent a couple of days together and then we were exchanging emails every day back and forth when I had to go back to the States. For 30 days, we sent like the world's most romantic, most ooey gooey, gross romantic emails. We didn't spend that time like getting to know each other, figuring out what our needs were, our values. And so when we decided to meet back up again, it was like a rude awakening that I did not want to admit was not going to be for me. So I kind of like had this moment where I was like, shit, Lauren, like this, this isn't your Prince Charming. This isn't my, you know, my Prince to my Cinderella in this story that I was crafting in my head. He's just a normal guy. And it seems to be the same type of toxic patterns that I've experienced over and over again. And any normal person would probably be like, ah, this isn't going to work. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back home. But because of the trauma that I had growing up and because of these beliefs that I had put into my head, I thought that I needed to change in order to earn his love or that I needed had to do something special to make it work, to force it to work. 
And I ended up approaching this relationship with all those same toxic patterns, that same anxious attachment. And what I'm now realizing lately, especially with the shift in the earth that we've been having in the past couple of months, is that what I did was I stepped into a really unhealthy masculine because I was trying to create something that wasn't really meant to be. And it was putting him in a weird place where he was kind of taking his own creativity away. And it, it was just a really unhealthy balance and not what either of us wanted or needed. So a few months later, fast forward, we've been traveling the world, living like what I thought was going to be my dream life as a digital nomad. But really what it was is me jumping from countries with this really like not compatible person in a one bedroom Airbnb, feeling like I have to take care of him. These are all my choices, by the way. <laughs> so by the time we get to Disney World, it was already shit. It wasn't happy for me. And in some ways I felt relief when he quote abandoned me. I got to spend the next day in the park processing my breakup with my family who was there with us and not him. So it it had its ups and downs and its pros and cons, like all things. I don't I looking back on it, I don't want to label anything as bad or wrong anymore. Everything is always as it needs to be. You know, and so would you still call it abandoning? Would you still consider that he abandoned you? Why not? I think he just was able to be bolder, um, more, more. He was able to stand up for his needs. He, one of us needed to leave. One of us needed to walk away from the toxicity. And he just realized it first. I made it pretty hard for him to stay, I think. (laughs) So I'm grateful for that. What an awesome answer. I am so glad I asked. Sometimes I'll sit there and go, why'd you ask that? You know, and then now, but then I'll get in every time, by the way, it's an amazing answer. So, um, so with that information that you have, with all of the heartbreaks, with all of the stuff, do you now look at it from your perspective here? And can you see a clear path of like, duh, you know, of the service, you know, and the things that you're providing now and the books you're writing and that, which we're going to get to your journal. I want to talk about it. Uh, and all of those things, it's sort of, do you hold any bitterness in the past version of any part of you? Why? Well, it's, it's difficult because those thoughts are kind of hardwired into my brain sometimes. So they'll pop in and I'll have to comfort myself, remind myself that I am totally worthy. Everything that I did in the past was to keep myself safe. Everything that I did in the past, even if it was harmful to myself or others, was really at the time the best that I could do. You know, all the typical self-love scripts that we say over and over in our head. But what I'm really realizing with these past couple of months, by the way, I'm a channel of spirit and I've been checking in with them, going through, getting a lot of updates of like, what the heck is going on? Because I, I don't know about our listeners, but like things have been different. Things have really been bursting open for us, I think, um, in terms of being what we're able to let go of. And I, for me, if you subscribe to the new earth or 5d, I, I kind of like feel like maybe a month ago, there was a really big shift where like we've arrived. And here I like to say in 5d, cause that's where I feel like I am now, or at least I want to be permanently, um, in 5d, my, my spirit guides have been telling me that there's no such thing as judgment in 5d. And when you can process that, there's no such thing as trauma. There's no such thing as the past. The past just is. And there's no need to even think about what might come in the future, because whatever comes in the future, you desire today. So it's like, now, if you would have asked me that question three months ago, before we've really stepped into this, I would have had a totally different answer. But my answer for you now, like, what do I think about all the things that I did in the past? Doesn't matter. It is. You know, which we actually rescheduled this a few times. And I believe it, we, you and I were scheduled to get together a few months ago and just craziness, right? It just, well, we, I'm not even going to call it craziness because neither are you. We both sent voicemails back and forth. And I think the last time, because I think I've needed to reschedule twice on this um, for various reasons. And the last time I was just like, dude, I'm just not fucking feeling this. I'm having a rough fucking go. And you were like, thank you, God, for sending this message. So this is all guests and podcasters out there. Be honest with each other. If you're not fucking feeling it, let them know because this conversation right here wouldn't have happened. This amazingness, these new awarenesses, which I I had noted here to get to you, uh, the new things going on now. So I'm grateful you brought it up, but it wouldn't have happened had we have forced something or had I have sat down and 
you know, giving you the not the best of me. And I think I think you had mentioned, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd done a show recently or something or around that time and you were like, I wasn't really feeling it, but I did it anyway. And now I wish I wouldn't have. But that, that type of a thing is like being honest is that's what you're talking about. And there's no judgment in that. You know, um, I had rescheduled Palooza last week. I am working on a new mindful expansion journal, which you do mindful dating. So we have so many parallels here. Uh, and so I took basically the week and just have been working on that. It's my birthday gift to get it out by my birthday for myself. So you know, blocking these things off or moving things around intuitively, I have no compunction. Like, it's no big deal. Like, I'm fine with it. And what's even better is every single person, there were three rescheduled specifically uh, for conversations, not interviews. We don't do that here. Um, but there were three and every single one of them was like, oh my God, thank God. One person, it was a presentation. He was like, dude, I don't have it ready. Thank God. I'm sitting here in front of the computer a few hours ahead of our thing, just going, man, I hope I can get that. So each of them was perfectly timed. And I've done this as well. There've been reschedules and people are like, oh my God, I apologize so much. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. It's always divine timing. It always works out absolutely perfectly. And so that's one of the biggest ones for me are the reschedules. And if you would have had this conversation when we originally air quotes scheduled to have it, we would not have been speaking to the same individuals here. So about a month ago, I am smelling what you're stepping in on this, darling. Uh, something huge shifted and we're about a month into this bitch. And so First of all, what happened a month ago? And then I'm in your mind. Uh, and then I'm curious also uh, what you think this time at a bigger hole is, because I love that you're already embracing the 5D and we're already here. Tell me what your thoughts are on this. Sure. Well, around that time that we were canceling, there was I was noticing on, on all ends of my like quote business, people were canceling all over the place. So I don't think it was just us. I think no. that in general, the energy was like, you cannot move. You need to sit right here and, and work on this. And what I feel like I went through, like I just kind of wrapped it up, please, thank God, hopefully about a week ago was my ego death of shame. And oh, that was fun. Shame <laughs> is the worst. <laughs> we all have like that sword in the back that you can't quite reach. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, God damn it. It's right out of reach. I've got all the other ones out. So shame was yours. Shame. Yeah. Sh and like I've. I feel like the, to me, when I say ego death, at least how that feels for me is that like, I have a few days, like maybe a week or two where it's just right in my face and it doesn't want to die and everything just keeps coming up. And then all of a sudden it, it just like, um, it's like a, like a little, I'm picturing like a little puff of smoke that yeah. just like runs out of fire and, and fades away. And I feel like now I'm, we're in fear is what I'm processing right now. There's a lot of fear around um, trauma or a fear of like the unknown, the fear of stepping into the feminine. I'm, I personally feel like I'm sensing that the feminine is taking over everyone. Like if, perhaps even like on a global scale, like, uh, the way that we govern or the way that we organize our connections on a wider scale, but I'm feeling like the feminine energy wants us to flow more. It wants us to be more, not manifest so hard for the future or chip away at things because that's where the power is, is that long-term investment. It's like, no, I think what we need to do now is really just be and trust that when the time comes, we'll know, and then we can start chipping away. Otherwise, yeah, like I got this metaphor the other day. I was like, I'm trying to make my career as a keynote speaker really take off, battling the imposter syndrome, fighting that fear, ego, death. And I've been like, screw it. I'm going to sit down every day and chip away at this speech. And I feel like the spirit was like, what you're doing here is every day you're spending a few hours chipping like a tunnel, like as if I'm like creating some tomb in an Egyptian mountainside. Cool. And they're like... But then what you've noticed, and I can feel it when I do that, I start to get exhausted. I get burnt out. And then eventually I hit an impenetrable rock. No, none of my tools work. And I'm like, shit, I got to go out and start a new tunnel. And spirit is like, why are you digging there? We didn't tell you to make a tunnel there. So they helped me turn around. There was a stream. I threw my box of tools in the water and I got into a canoe and just floated downstream. And spirit was like, stay here, chill. When it's time for you to get out and start digging your tunnel, 
We're going to drop you off there. There's going to be tools waiting for you. And there will be no impenetrable wall. There will be an opening and it'll just be there for you. You'll have to do minimal work and it'll be flowy. And I'm like, yes, that that is what we all need right now. But that is scary as hell because you have to trust. So is this surrender of which you're speaking? Because we're again, I'm, and now I see the divine timing in it even greater, right? This is amplifying. Had we have had this conversation even the second time a month ago when we rescheduled this thing, right? I uh, wouldn't have been here with it. What I find with this is, first of all, outstanding metaphor, because it feels like it's not a masturbatory exercise in the sense that you still get muscles built. You're getting exercise. You're digging a tunnel. You're learning how what that is, because when you say digging a tunnel or a tomb, I'm thinking something ornate. So, I mean, you're you're honing skill here. You're learning craft. You're learning material tools, all of those things. And and so really what I'm seeing here is sort of like my first podcast. Like we had we had a show before this with a few friends of my wife. Uh, dead and gone, but it doesn't feel like a waste of time. None of it feels like a waste of time. But I love now that all of us have sort of been called back to the canoes. It's like, look, you've honed your craft. You've done it. You've been in the dojo like learning. And now it's time to get in and move on. And then you'll know when when to get out. Because, But I love, again, the way you describe it, because it's much more where we are now. Two years ago, a year, a year or two years ago, it was digging a damn tomb and I could see nothing else. I was, you know, sleeping two and four hours a night to get two episodes out a week, working 60 hour job, you know, sacrificing my relationship, all of these things. But it felt like I was compelled, like a uh, caterpillar forming a cocoon. Like there was I could think of nothing else but work, 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 work. But now, just like you month ago, there were a series of massive changes that occurred. And I'm going to share one with you. One of these insights, just like that beautiful metaphor you gave us as a gift, because uh, what you just gave us, I'll be repeating for a long time. That was wonderful. So this idea uh, came to me after four huge, just fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's like in a row, right? And I was coming off of this a month earlier, so angry at this part of me that I felt couldn't integrate. There was just something... And, uh, you know, I related it to um, this Rick and Morty episode where Morty goes into a game and he is all the NPC characters, but Rick has to go in and convince him that they're all the same one that they has to get out, right? So I'm your grandson? Yes, you all are. I'm your grandson? Okay. So uh, it's a wonderful episode. Everybody check it out. Um, and so it was at this time I was sitting here looking at this idea. And even in that episode, they're like, dude, it's only 8% of you. 8% of anything is negligible, right? And that's what it felt like. It felt like this 8% of me that was just being such a douchebag. I'm like, dude, let's just get over that. Let's just figure it out. You have all the books in the world around you. You speak to all the right people. You know all the things you're doing, all the things. And what I realized was, uh, what I took from that moment was, uh, there was that 8% of me that would just get to a point where it was scared, and it didn't know what happiness felt like. It didn't know what not needing to survive felt like and didn't know what receiving felt like. It didn't know that no matter what shadow work I could do, it was this impenetrable. I referred to it as a douchebag, but I love that motherfucker now because it was one of the greatest lessons for me. Um, and whenever I simply just said, fine, then fuck you. We're moving on without you because the other 90% of me was standing around like aligned, ready to go. Like, let's roll, dude. What are we doing? Still listening to this dude throw his tantrums to halt all of our momentum. And what I really realized was not only telling that thing off because it stood up and immediately clapped for me and now was on board. It felt like this assertion of self, the CEO declarance, right? This like, yeah, we're here with you and the integration needed to happen and we love you and you're so sweet and you're, you're a perfect part of this. But dude, we're fucking done with it, right? It, it was like, you've had this time. We're done. We're getting the goddamn canoe. And so it, it felt like this um, this urgency to just fucking get over it. And so this assertion with CEO occurred. Then these four fuck yous in a row, which led me to this epiphany, dude. Um, Laurel Erica, who I love dearly, I've had her on. Her definition of epiphany is a sudden recognition of the obvious. And I love this. And it suddenly occurred to me that when these four things rocked me, uh, um, I kind of got the picture of, you know, in uh, Marvel... Um, Damn it. What's his name? Dr. Strange. Whenever he gets, whenever he hits someone and his astral body goes out of his body, his physical body, that's what it felt like. It was, I allowed it to do to me. Let's say a bomb came into my life, like a disturbance. Okay. Whatever. We know what these, these rocks off of center. And what it did was, is it took me out of my present moment, which is what I learned from all of this shit, all the Abraham Hicks, everything just like flooded in like ding, 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 ding. 
So it, from this present moment, I was knocked out. My astral body was knocked to go back into my past and to yell at the dude a month ago or three weeks ago or whenever I could do the math back to the how I fucked up the manifestation somehow and to go yell at that dude who was doing the best he could with the information he had at the time. And then I would also astral knock another piece of my power out of me and go fearfully view these far-flung futures, say that three times fast, that uh, didn't exist anyway, that I was giving a lot of power to the inevitable outcome of doom of, right? And so what I realized from all of this shit, from all of it, was the moment. And it's, it's being in this present moment because that's where your power is. And if you're offering it to all these other things, that was a dramatic example that I needed to repeat for, let's say, 24 fucking years until I figured it out. Um, and But now what it really showed me was on micro levels, right? It's because of the um, the feather, the brick, and the truck idea. Like you get a little feather, a little, hey, wake up, or you get a brick, which sucks, but it's not going to kill you. And then you get a damn truck. Like if you're not in a line and you don't get it, it's like, dude, you get these little things and now they're just feathers. Now it's like, hey, your mind's wandering over here. Let's bring it back into this present moment. Let's change, right, is the word that I use. I'm like, uh-uh, come back. And this has just empowered the shit out of me. I don't remember why I got on that huge rant about this, but I wanted to know what your thoughts were on all of that thing that I just said there. Sure. I love it. I'm, I'm totally on the same page with you. I think a big part of 5D2 is recognizing that little part of that piece of you, that eight, not eight or 9% or whatever it was that believes it's separate. And that's like perhaps a, a part of the ego that um that in 5d we don't need that person anymore so if you if you agree if you can just get on my team for a minute and say that in 5d there's no such thing as judgment then when you look back on your life and you had some kind of quote trauma that you you deemed as maybe a, a villain did something to you that victimized you if you call it trauma that means it's probably bad that's a judgment it means it's something that you need to fix so you can't accept it and you, you get stuck there. There's that eight or 9% or perhaps it's 95% of you that's stuck in that moment when that trauma occurred, when you judged it to be bad or wrong or painful and you couldn't let go of it. You couldn't just say, hey, everything in this universe is a balance of good and, and the opposite. I, there is no opposite. It's just everything in the universe is harmony. There's chaos, there's birth, there's death, there's light and dark. And that's just how things are. And that's not bad or good. And when you can get to this place of acceptance about the past to say, hey, these things happened. Maybe it's because my soul chose to come here and have this quote trauma happen. Maybe it's because I'm helping other people. Or maybe it's just the result of collective energy that this happened. You know, like stars die asteroids hit planets. No one's sitting there. Well, I don't know. I don't think anyone is specifically sitting there and say, I'm manifesting this asteroid to hit a planet and kill a species. Like shit in the universe collectively happens. And I think what, what I'm starting to realize in 5D is that because we grew up believing in trauma, we were always in that place of fight or flight. We never felt safe. So then we suddenly started to use our amazing, powerful brains to start assigning meaning to things. Oh, it's this person's fault. I'm the villain. Things happen. I can control them by manifesting. It's like, yeah, you can. But manifesting in 5D is going to be completely different too. Because we're not creating, we're not chipping away tunnels for ourselves to stay safe anymore. We're chipping away tunnels that the collective gives to us so that when we do chip away at it, it's for the benefit of everyone, not just for one human to stay safe outstanding because it's a silly thing right doing every doing any anything for the safety of awe like you do your best you know what i mean but there's this saying i heard a while back and it's not insensitive i don't believe it's the um you know to fix stupidity the joke is to fix stupidity just take the warning labels off of everything right and the problem will sort itself out and it's one of these ideals that goes you know that we've um sort of saved a bunch of dumb people as the you know idea goes and that we that nature sort of has its shit figured out in this way and we'll take care of dumb people with like cliffs you know and stuff like that like tide pods if you're eating those and probably shouldn't be breeding right you know jokingly here but it seems that those sort of experiences um offer you an opportunity to be a greater, grander version of yourself you could sit here and say you know what I'm not going to eat tide pods and that doesn't sound like a good avenue for me 
So I, I want to know uh, more about your uh, dating journal that you pulled out here because this thing is cool as shit. It's it's way more of like a low content journal in my mind, even though it would be. It, is it published as such or is it a full book? Uh, it's self-published. Half of it is a journal. The first half explains why bring mindfulness to dating. And then it goes into depth about how to answer the question so that you can get like the best bang for your for your time, I guess. Yeah, you've got a just a really comprehensive layout in it. I just thought it was really well done. So all of that, by the way, guys, linked down below. So make sure that y'all check that out. Um, so what got you uh, spurred to create something like that in the first place, your journal? Sure. So after I got dumped by this guy at Disney World, <laughs> I came home about a month later, COVID hit. So I got to process my emotions. Thankfully, I had those mindfulness skills. So I just dug deeper than ever before. And what I ended up finding that was bubbling to the surface was that there was a really big part of me that wanted to date women. So I was like, screw it. I'm, I'm here. I'm getting curious. I'm going to like really get to the bottom of this because I need to make a change. When COVID finally lifted, I did start swiping on women. And I went out with the first person that I went out on a date with. I ended up dating her. The honeymoon phase came in. I was like, that must have been my problem. It was just gender. Like I was just dating the wrong gender, right? Penis in the way. That's that. Yeah, that's the only that's the only thing. Yeah, that's wrong. I can stop trying to do the self self work and just focus on having fun. But what happened is that I got sucked into all the same attachment traumas that I didn't heal yet. And the same type of abandonment slash toxic thing happened again with this woman. And I was like, God damn it, Lauren, like awareness isn't enough. You have to constantly be practicing making new choices thanks to the awareness. You can't just know that you're that you're the toxic one, but then keep doing the toxic things, you know? <laughs> it's me. So, All right, we'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I luckily I'm a super organized organizational freak. I love spreadsheets. So I ended up taking all of my knowledge from just years in therapy, books that I read, and of course, my mindfulness skills so that I could print out a form to fill out after I went out on a date so that I wouldn't stop like missing things. I, I, I just didn't trust myself. I was like, I know what I'm doing wrong, but I still, my heart fully believed that this girl was like the person that I was going to marry and it was going to be different this time. And I was so delusional. And it was like a brick hit me when she dumped me. And I was like, fuck, the same exact thing happened. I, what am I doing wrong? So I was like, I'm just going to journal the shit about all of this after every single date until I figure out what is it that I'm doing or not doing? What are my patterns? What are the things that I need to really bring awareness to? And I did it for like over a dozen dates. I felt so much more peaceful. My anxiety went away because I knew I was making time. Yeah. That if there was something, I was going to catch it. And it worked so well for me that I ended up reaching out to a therapist that lived across the country. And she was like, oh my God, Lauren, this, this isn't just going to work for you. This is going to work for anybody. Cause it's like, you know, mindfulness is backed by science and self-love is also evidence, evidence proofed based, whatever. Anyways, the shit works. So we published it. We co-authored it and published it on Amazon. It's also a mobile app that's free. So. Yeah. And all of it guys linked below. So make sure that you check that out. It's outstanding. I mean, it's very, very thoughtful. So really well done. Thank you. Okay. okay. So uh, speaking of self-love, uh, exploring your sexuality, talk to us about that. Yeah. So, uh, so this girl, right. I really felt so differently in that relationship with her because I had this sexual attraction piece that was missing for so long before then I just felt a little bit of disgust around sex with men, but I think that now with my state of awareness, I realized that that was me feeling disgust towards my own feelings about sex, not necessarily towards the gender or the body parts of a man. As 5D has been sweeping in and bringing with it all this divine feminine, I'm realizing that there's a huge part of my softness that I've had to push away in order to stay, to stay safe. And that was my coping mechanism growing up with my own trauma was to step more into the masculine. I just felt like I could control things there. It helped me manage my anxiety. 
And I just found that I ended up being attracted to really feminine energy men that weren't really doing it for me. But when I found that feminine energy in a woman, that was great. And that's where I had been for about three and a half years, ever since I that, that the first girl dumped me. But with this 5D energy, suddenly I'm allowing my old, my natural perhaps feminine energy to, to come in. And all of a sudden I'm having dreams about sleeping with men. And I see a man walk into the bar and I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, who is this girl? Like what? <laughs> so it's it's been kind of strange to think, um, to just realize how important your perspective can be towards building attraction to anyone, to any connection. So I'm excited to see what things open up for me, not just in sexual connections, but just opportunities in life, because I'm just vibrating differently now. I'm, I'm ready to receive. I don't want to work so hard to take care of everybody else. I want somebody to take care of me. Taking applications, guys. Yeah, fill them out. Linked in the show notes. Send it. Um, with the with this sort of like perpetual relaxation, with this um, new ease and flow, you know, things come to me easily and effortlessly. What is one of the more um, non-specific things that you found occurred within that that you weren't looking for, but was sort of an ancillary thing that occurred within the ease of your new mindset? Like you probably had that for a specific focus maybe not as general, but were there any other things that popped in maybe that you could share with us? Sure. Well, anybody that has like an entrepreneurial spirit, or maybe you also have podcasts knows that marketing is a bitch. <laughs> marketing is a huge, um, it's a trap for me. A lot of times I'll sink back into the masculine energy because I think that I have to be doing, I have to produce consistently and I have to make things that people are going to react to according to the algorithms. And it's just like, when I started to flow into the feminine, my entire marketing strategy changed, my brand changed. And I just realized that finally, social media can be a more intuitive, authentic form of expression. And, and the strange thing is I'm publishing more consistently than I ever have. <laughs> No, and I don't have to force it. Yeah, that's it. That's the secret to all of this. And I'm grateful that you pointed that out. And that's why I asked is there's a nonchalance to this. It is, oh my God, so dope. It's when you can really trust it. And it's, it's, it's a lock-in thing that, man, it's, it's tricky to like get up on that hill. But once you get there, you're like, holy shit, this is, I mean, and you feel these uh, abundant things flow in these. It's just everything sort of locks in place or what it felt like for me was that I was looking at reality on an edge and really this just sort of shifted it a little bit to where I could see everything clear like those um, art exhibits or museum in museums where they'll have like a shoe and a window and um, a squeegee and like some interesting things like hanging that are unrelated. But when you look at it from a certain spot, it's like uh, Tesla or some shit or a dinosaur. And it's like, what the fuck? How do you first of all think of that or whatever and do the shadows? And that's what it felt like reality has been in this 5D thing for me. So I, I do want to bring it back to the split here in this 5D and the Dolores Cannon and all this stuff. I've been asking folks lately, what is the 5D? Because we're already here. What does this look like in relation to those that choose the 3D path? Is this sort of a revelation? Are you a UFOs are going to come pick them up? Or like, what's what do you think is going to happen? I think that everything is as it needs to be. The people that are going to make the transition, great. There's, there's no wrong or right in any of this. And perhaps more about where I'm heading with 5D in my head is that it's a, it's a, we're leaving the idea that we are separate. That person that's staying in 3D is also me. And I need to love them and appreciate them and support them. And that's all, that's all there is. And like, you know, it doesn't need to be anything bigger than that. Am I, am I not understanding the, the question? No, no, no. You're understanding it perfectly. And it's an interesting point that you make, because this is something I've also talked about is this idea that, you know, and what kind of bums me out about it. So let's say that for instance, um, you know, I know that we're not here to save anyone and I know that I'm no martyr for anyone or anything like that, but it is, it, you know, it kind of blows, you know, that my parents just were given information. They really, really held on to it and didn't see a reason to change their mind about it. And so therefore up, uh, third D for you. You know, it's that thing straight to jail, right? Uh, it's like straight to third D, you know, oh, you didn't believe in the right God straight to third D. Oh, you didn't or eat that one organic tomato that one time straight to third D. It's, it's, um, 
it's just sort of a, I guess the painting it with a pretty broad brush, but I'd like the way that you put it where, yes, we're still going to love them. The way that I've sort of pictured this split, isn't this sort of like, all right, you guys fuck off over here because you deserve it. And we're going to go over here because it's heaven and we chose the right path. It gets super, it's like religion with extra steps, right? So with this perspective though, what it feels like is if there is a thing where we experience a balance of energies, then as those that choose, because it is a choice, the 3D or that lifestyle, that technocratic, whatever, they are burrowing into a really deep energy of that energy, that choice of direction, which then naturally propels us sort of like an inverse trampoline or something in the opposite direction. So we, the 5Ders are just going to feel better and better and better because we're getting more and more bathed in this higher light as we ascend because those chose to go the other way around. Now, interestingly, from their perspective, they're on top of the world and we're the ones going the other way, right? So from either one's perspective, they're correct, which is perfect because everybody's getting what they want. This is the interesting thing, though, is this sort of like separation, but we're still going to intermingle and like be standing next to each other at the DMV and shit like this. Like, is that where us in the 5D that have chosen that route, I guess, we're just walking antennas just to heal those in the 3D to see if we could get them to come on over or something like that? Is it still sort of this karmic fulfillment? I don't know. I love that. In my mind, though, it's I'm still stuck on this idea that we're all one consciousness. Yeah. We're just we're experiencing suffering according to our own free will. So the five years we're experiencing suffering, whether it's, you know, getting a splinter or watching our parents suffer. The five, the people that were decided to stay in 3d, their free will is that they want to experience the suffering the old way. They want to keep experiencing suffering in the way that that 3d does. So for us, like we're just in 5D, it's, I don't see it as being any really different than what we have right now. It's just that we are able to detach from the suffering and see it as beauty. Yeah, I'm curious because it, it, this sounds, you know, a bit more in line with what I'm talking about here. Not this, like, I'd still think it'd be super dope. I mean, come on, if, if UFOs landed and they're like, all right, guys, we've got all your world set up, everything you want. We've been reading your minds. Like we know your dreams you are good. It's all there. Y'all can get off of this rock where they're throwing nukes at each other. And, you know, this Klaus Schanel Schwab's walking around in that little one piece on the beach that you've seen too many times and all this kind of stuff. So you don't have to deal with any of that. I mean, that would still be dope as shit. But it makes more sense, I suppose. It's it's sort of like the, you know, in the COVID thing or whatever, when they were poking the COVID people, the government, and they were going like, do, co do aliens, you know, we're ready for something cool and dope and awesome and mesmerizing and a plasma apocalypse or some shit. But I suppose you're right. Uh, everybody will be fine. They'll just be still walking around. And, and that's good. Well, people that channel are already talking to aliens. They're already here. They're just not here physically. Yeah, and the more and more people that... that start to connect with consciousness or, or alien consciousness in 5d, the more they're going to start showing up in the physical reality. I think. Do you think it's just sort of a sweeping thing, sort of like the color blue? Have you ever heard this, that humans didn't see the colors that we oh, have? Yeah. yeah. And like, eventually they saw the color blue. Do you think that they're like here all the time? The people who were talking to them, like we're back in the day going, guys, that is called blue. And they're like, we don't have a blue douchebag. It all looks gray or black to us. You know what I mean? So there was no like concept of it, but this was what it feels like. It's like we're giving them eyes to see it or this concept of invisible ships, this idea that um, the indigenous were standing on the beaches and watching ships come over, but they couldn't see the actual ships. They could see water being displaced because they could fathom water, but they couldn't understand ships. But I still don't understand that because they had canoes and they would fish. They knew what boats and ripples and tides and shit were anyway. So this idea, though, that it's being revealed to us as we're ready to accept the information, but also it's freaky deaky that it's around you all the time and that you just don't have the eyes to see it. Like, what do you think about that? Well, um, I have a little metaphor, another, well, not really a metaphor. It's another spirit message that I think people might kind of blow their minds with. There's people that we can contact as humans with our collective uh, energetic connection that exist at all times. So I could talk to aliens on different planets from 30 years ago, from 300,000 years into the future, it's all energy and there's only now. So um, one of the things that I channel is fairy energy. I think everybody thinks fairies are like these sweet little tiny things with like sparkly wings. When I talk to fairies, I ask them like, what the fuck are you? Like, do you really live in flowers? What's going on? And, well, I, did, I said it a lot nicer. You they were like, 
<laughs> my wife share the videos with me. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we are the most evolved humans. We are, we are you, we are your species, but in way, way, way in the future to the point where we have lived in many D's, not beyond 5D to the point where our mission is to just sit with you and help you evolve as a human in a way that hopefully is kind to the earth. Which is also- Because that's their planet. Yes. We're all walking each other home, right? From different points, perspectives, time periods, because there's yeah. all of now. I know, I got it too. I'm getting chills. Oh. And the aliens are doing the same thing. I think that's why I wanted to talk about this is that the aliens, no matter what time, you know, I'm talking about the aliens that love us unconditionally, no matter where or when they're from, they're always here with us. And whenever we're ready to let them show up more in our minds and our bodies and our, in our energy, they will be known They're They've been patiently waiting and helping us this entire fucking time. You know what this makes me think about? I love what you said, by the way. You know what this makes me think about is this idea that like you're your own spirit guide, like at any point in time from where you are now, your current moment of now, just from the life you can remember back from when you were a little baby, then from any moment from now, you were the best guide that you could have given yourself because you know you better than anyone, right? And so you would think of this on like a species level that if we are all this, let's say that there's like a bunch of NPCs here, but there are like 144,000 of us, right? Or something like that, you know, light worker, whatever you want to say, real people playing the game is how I'll put it. Then maybe you incarnate in all of those different levels and then they're all intertwined together. So you get to visit yourself at any of the levels. But if you think about it too, our struggle to identify with that, to see them for what they are, to take the message in the way that they can present it, even though they're you and can do the best fucking job out of anyone, right? It's still a challenge for us because of the level that we're on, because of the the game that we're playing here. And so it is still interesting though, because like I could give myself advice probably, I'm gonna say like 20 years ago, and I would have told me to fuck off, right? And so it's this like interesting thing that you can think of your spirit guide now going to you, even though it's you. And they're like, God, that guy's a shithead. You know what I mean? Even though you're like the most enlightened you've ever been in this reality, you're like, guys, what do I need to do to this? And they're like looking at each other going, can you still believe he's stuck on that thing? Oh my God, when are we going to get past this? But it's sort of like a bigger version of you, which would then be like why they can abduct you, let's say, because I have a sovereignty issue with that, like a, a cognitive challenge of that they could just scoop you up and there's no problem with that. I believe in the universal law of one that it's consent. And so if that's the case, then you must be consenting on some level. So I think it's interesting when you consider them all as spirit guides and you start thinking about that they were progenitors of you and maybe each of our 144,000, you know, sort of uh, reincarnated in those lives, but really they're simultaneous lives, which is crazy cool. So we're like fairies right now and everything, which is the most evolved. Yeah, we've just been calling fairies. Um, we've been calling our future selves that have been helping us all along. We gave them a name. We called them fairies. But even people that were like Wiccas in the past and you know, all these people that first wrote any story about fairies, maybe they were just talking to human consciousness, benevolent human consciousness from the future. God. And they were like, who is this thing? They want me to help the earth. I'm going to call them a fairy and make them a trickster and give them pink wings. Oh my God. That's so cool. So do you think that they were really like that and showed themselves to that person or they were like that because that person made it up in their mind that they should look like that. And therefore that's what they look like. It could be. I've also talked to fairies that um, perhaps were at different times, like humans at different times of their evolution. One time I had a fairy, I was asking them about like, how do you make music? And they explained this really beautiful instrument that they used. It was like a hollowed out twig with um, ribbons on the end of it. Cool. And they would spin it. It was called a pinchuck, I think. And they would kind of spin it and snap it back and forth. And they're they were synesthesia people at this point in time. So they had evolved where they could see sounds, hear colors. So this musical instrument wasn't just creating a noise from the air moving through it, but it was creating sound, smell, light, and they were able to like jump around. It was like some crazy shit. And then a couple of weeks later, I was channeling a different fairy and asking them different questions. And they were like, we don't have a physical body. We don't eat food. We don't live in homes. And I was like, what? You just told me that you use this musical instrument. And they were like, well, we're, that's not our time. That was from a different time. And I was like, oh, okay. So who knows? Maybe at some point in our human consciousness or our human evolution, we do have fairy wings and we do live in flowers. I don't know. But um, 
you can, you can talk to the most evolved fairies as well. You talk about, you know, lowering your impact, literally your footprint on the earth by just miniaturizing yourself. That'd be awesome. Genius. It, it is genius. Now it is fascinating too, that you talk about that they were from different times because now I'm thinking of the UFOs and how they appear differently throughout our time, right? How they start as something real clunky and more uh, art deco, you know, sort of retro-y saucer metal. And then now they're like glowing orbs and too small to have big humans in them. And like all these uh, cubes and um, triangles and all sorts of weird pyramids and shit. And so it's interesting uh, that they've become like less aerodynamic from a standpoint of when they first would have been rolled out, but more aerodynamic in the sense that they now seem to have some sort of technology not dependent on aerodynamics. So it's interesting to see these levels of it and that they're just kind of kind of time travelers, even though we paint them with this broad brush of like, oh, alien, extraterrestrial, interdimensional, whatever. But really, they're from different times and maybe they're different us's from different times that all sort of get to come here. I don't know, get their shot. I mean, maybe that's part of your experience as that alien. You're like, OK, now this might fuck your head up a little bit, but don't let it. Uh, you're going to visit yourself in, in a few different lives that you've already lived that you do remember. And you'd be like, that was you, motherfucker. No, 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 it's you. It's like, oh, shit, man, it's all coming together. You know, it's it's just this trippy ass thing. And to some also that you said the fairies, my wife has um, a fleet of fairies is her thought ninja. And I know that sentence is going to sound weird. I have a thought ninja that takes care of my spirals, right? It's an egregore that um, I uh, was gifted to by the muse in a really dark time. So this dude swings in with a katana whenever those spirals start to occur like a mindful practice and he cuts that shit. He fucking flips it up. He's awesome. And he just goes, hey, when he's done. Now that's my tulpa. My wife has a fleet of fairies is what she calls it. And hers have like little fucking daggers and teeth and they're ravenous as shit. So I don't know what time period that is. Maybe you could ask uh, to see... If that's more of an anthropomorphization, she could ask them. I'm sure they'd be happy to tell her. Yeah, just tell her to ask them. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I I love this. I think this is fascinating, and I want to touch on fairies one more time with you, just to ask you kind of a silly theory that I've got, and actually is being brought up again now because of what you said about them saying that they were in the future from us. I have sort of this silly idea that there's only so much of us here, only so much energy that can be in this realm or something. And you can physic, you can manifest a certain number of sentient creatures here. Let's say, but like the ones that walk around, animals are like uh, free range. Like they're fine. You can do as many of those as you want. But like people type things, maybe there's only a certain amount of energy in physical form. So at first, because we have all these evidence of giants and things like that, maybe there were like much less of them, but there were a lot taller of people, like fifty feet, twenty feet, something like this. But there were only like a few thousand of them because our energy was spread out through these huge bodies. Then as you go through the ages, our energy dissipates and breaks up into more and more creatures here, sentient creatures here, but they're smaller in stature. So you think about this as sort of a division, a cellular mitosis or something like that to where you're dividing yourself so that you can experience yourself. But maybe it's like in a physical way here too. So as people get smaller, there's a lot more of them. And then, then you think in our future, if we continue that pattern, then we're going to be little fucking fairies. Now, bonus, we get wings, which is cool as shit. And some weird weapon that sounds like a bop it. You know that thing? Bop it, zip it, whip it. So yeah, fairies, uh, future humans, because there's not enough energy here and we just get smaller as we break that apart. What are your thoughts? I, I think that's fucking awesome. And I think it really brings us full circle to everything that we were talking about earlier about really letting go of the past, stop worrying about like these little things that that 8% of you is so hung up on because we are, we are one tiny little blip in the vast lifeline of humans just on this planet, let alone the entire expansion of the universe. So I think no matter what we end up being in terms of scale and size, all that matters is that we are enjoying this manifestation of this physical body, this physical life right now in this present moment and spread love, love each other, go out and, and love yourself, be mindful, be, let every part of you exist. So that way, when you do meet another human, you can connect in a way that's going to make us all expand. Yes. Rock and roll. God, your metal. Um, okay. Well, what is uh, something amazing that you are looking forward to in your immediate future? Sure. Well, as a result of stepping into my divine feminine, I decided to launch a brand new podcast. It's called Meditate. It's guided meditations for singles. And I just sit down and channel visualizations. I had one from Nefertiti. The fairies came in this past week. 
and I'm not going to publish them on any consistent schedule. I'm just going to let them come in as inspired. So check it out if you want some timely messages from spirit. That's awesome. And then, of course, Date in Peace, your podcast for anxious singles looking for love and experiencing their sexual reality. So uh, looking for love, I wanted to ask you about an NLP uh, question on that. Looking, does that only give you the verb of looking, not finding? Mm, I love that. Interesting. What you want if you're looking. You know, like, let's say you go to the store to look for something. Anytime my wife says this, I'm like, you're going to what? She goes, I'm going to find. I go, there you go. And so it's you like know, an LP thing. I, I'm a big subscriber to. I love that you brought that up. Because remember how I was mentioning earlier, I feel like manifestation is different to me now. Like I'm not vibing with the traditional manifestation tools in 5D. I like the word harvest better for the same reason. Manifest means it hasn't been created yet. That you have to do something, say some affirmations, whatever, to then make it come to you. But harvesting, just like finding, is like the abundance is already around me. I'm just going to choose to harvest it today. Yeah, like forage. You know, it's like thinking that you're just like strolling along in a forest with a bunch of fairies talking to you, arguing about the different time periods, how they had it better in the 15,000s from the fairy perspective than the 18,000s, and they're arguing about it. Uh, there's yeah. a, a, a Bill and Ted's mini phone booth type situation going on there as well. For some reason, they just have a bunch of fairies in a phone booth um, saying excellent and scooping up a bunch of them for a high school presentation. You're familiar with that. So uh, I wanted to ask you also, speaking of segues, there is a um, new term that we were supposed to be calling vaginas now. And so you're the official authority on this. So I want to make sure that I have this correct. We're uh, as mindful as we can be here. Uh, let me make sure. Bonus hole. That's what we're supposed to call it now. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that as an empowered female? Bonus hole. Yeah, it's, considered it, why is it a bonus? It's uh, it's not necessary, apparently. Not that it was <laughs> the of life that it's always been um, or the sacred temple or anything like that. Bonus hole is now what we're supposed to be calling that. Uh, so as to not offend anyone. Now, you as an owner of said um, additional... <laughs> <laughs> additional orifice uh, would you be offended uh, if somebody called that that i would say it's a bonus if i give you access to it but it's not a bonus for me you know, maybe, I'm just... a <laughs> maybe i'm just maybe you know i'm thinking that it's some fucking flagrant like write-off thing that's actually probably incendiary and you're giving us the light with this love i love this by the way yeah it's a bonus because you better believe you know you better get all those 10 stars yeah Damn. Okay. Exactly. What if like, but from my ignorant perspective, you know, perhaps my uneducated and um, just where I, where I was with it, bonus hole as it's being uh, actually advertised as, uh, as being a very PC way to call vaginas as to not upset those that don't. Honestly, I, I haven't heard this before. And I, the thing that's coming to my mind again is to try to not put shame or judgment on my whole, yeah. whether it's a bonus or, or a bad or anything, it just is, it's fucking magic because it's a part of this universe. Thank you. I love that. That's a wonderful answer. I'm noting that here for the record. Um, not a fan. Got it. Uh, neither am I, by the way. I think it's silly. I like your interpretation better. Uh, absolutely better. So I, uh, I'd like to ask you in closing here, darling, and you are welcome back any damn time that you would like all the ways, of course, to find Miss Lauren Smith located at down in the show notes. So I'd like to know what gives you hope. Like what gets you out of bed every morning? What keeps them feet planting on the ground and breath in them lungs? Mm. Oh my gosh. Hope is such a big question. I don't know if I can answer this so succinctly. I think that every day that I wake up and I, take a little step closer to living more in alignment, more authentically, trust in that flow, I see things change for me. I see things get more peaceful. I catch myself um, finding even more things to be hopeful for. So I guess I'm just going to be super mindful and cheesy and say the present moment is what brings me the most hope. Lauren Smith, all the ways to find you located down below. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brandon. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.